Good afternoon and welcome to Town Square. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. As we like to say every week, this conversation includes you. And if you'd like to join us, our numbers are 941-3689. If you call us from Oahu, use that one. And from the neighbor islands or if you're listening to the live stream someplace else, you can get to us at 877-941-3689. Now, by now, you know this presidential race is like no other And regardless of how you feel about either candidate, there is something else you know, too. This election is like no other for the media. How that shows up in what you see and hear and whether you like it often comes down to how in sync you are with the people who shape the news, often reporters and editors. Last week, a panel of reporters considered how they cover political campaigns. Tonight, we're going to look at how news editors help frame the perspectives that show up in the media we take that up tonight on Town Square. And if again, if you'd like to join the discussion, you can call us at 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Joining me tonight in studio is Patty Epler, the editor and general manager of the online nonprofit news site, Civil Beat. She's also editor-in-chief of HuffPost Hawaii, a partnership between Civil Beat and the Huffington Post. Patty's been a reporter and editor since 1976, She began her career in Anchorage, Alaska, and since then has worked in Honolulu, Olympia, Washington, Phoenix, Arizona. And in 1989, she was one of the lead reporters on the Exxon Valdez oil spill and has been part of two Pulitzer Prize winning teams. In 2011, she returned to Honolulu to join Civil Beat. Mark Platt joins us as well. He is the news director for Hawaii News Now, the combined stations of KHNL, KGMV, and KFIVE, K5. The Hawaii News Now newsroom has more than 70 reporters, anchors, photographers, producers, directors, and editors. Prior to joining TV in 2010, Mark Platt was the editor and senior vice president of the Honolulu Advertiser. Before moving to Hawaii in 2000, he worked as an editor and reporter for the L.A. Times. He also worked for the Orange County Register, the Miami Herald, and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. That's who we have sitting around our table tonight. And again, you're here too, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689 as we talk about this presidential campaign, which is not like anything else that most of us have ever seen. Thank you both for being here. Thank you, Beth Ann. Thank you, Beth Ann. There are lots of words that people have used to describe this presidential campaign. I'm just curious which ones fill your head as you begin to to look at how you you want to shape the news with people who very often depend upon you to make sure that uh, they're doing it the right way. Mark, I'd say it's unprecedented. Uh, I would use the word bizarre. <laughs> It's uh, it is. It's very unlike anything that that I've ever witnessed. Um, it shows the great divisions, I think, in the country. Uh, it shows people are very. We we're talking earlier. People are very opinionated and and passionate. And even if they don't like the candidates, uh, they know a lot about both of these <laughs> these candidates, and uh, they're willing to have their say. But I I would say it's. Um, I see things every day that come across and things that we have to put in the news that I've just never seen before, uh, even most recently with the um, the debate. It was just extraordinary. Uh, it was there was entertainment. There was comedy. It was uh, it, it, it was like a it was like a play in a lot of ways. It was just a, a truly strange event. 
I would add crazy to that definition of this year's uh, presidential debate. It's just been um, amazing how um, little discussion there has been about actual real issues. And it's all been about personalities and the people. And um, it's just, I think it's really hit sort of a new low, I think, in terms of public discourse. And um, I agree so much with you, Mark. It is just insane what the kinds of things that we find ourselves writing about and having our reporters write about when it comes to the presidential campaign. You both have used some some pretty powerful words there, and certainly a lot of us have been doing that in looking at this race. What kind of things, when you say, you, both of you alluded to this, you know, having to write about things we've never done before, things that come across the desk that I've never seen before, what exactly are you seeing that perhaps the rest of us are so lucky not to see? I, I would say it's, you know, in the presidential race, um, you look at the two candidates and, again, they're very strong feelings. And these are two people that we know a lot about. We know, we, we've known Donald Trump from the very beginning. We've known Hillary Clinton from the beginning. Um, and yet, uh, when you see the discourse that is taking place, as Patty says, the lack of issues, the um, I don't know. There's just there, there's disrespect there. There's um, there's there's a piling on. It's reflective of of a country, I think, that just is so polarized. And I was telling somebody the other day, it's almost like something you would see in a foreign country, you know, where you would have you'd say we never see this kind of thing here with the candidates and. And, and how they're behaving and how they're interacting and, and the passions on both sides throughout the country and talking to the supporters. But um, it just I, I just look at it and I think it'll go down in history is, you know, probably our lowest point. Yeah, I mean, I think the kinds of things that you see, particularly the national press having to deal with is just sort of um, – fact-checking and deflating these sort of um, statements and these assertions that are being made, and largely by Donald Trump, of course. And then also things like um, writing about him, like mocking the reporter in a wheelchair. I mean, why do we even have to deal with that, you know? But it has become the news. And um because of, uh, you know, everyone wants page views or clicks or ratings or whatever. No one seems to be able to just not write about it or not talk about it. The press seems to just be so inclined to um, pick up on it, run with it. If they don't, their competitor is. And so, you know, but so it's just it just has kind of spread like a wildfire out of control. So this turns into more a sense of competing to be able to get clicks, to be able to get ratings, to be able to get views, to be able to get eyeballs, than necessarily doing what we all thought it was supposed to do, particularly in a political campaign where, as you say, so many issues are simply not being discussed. I mean, when you look at the debate from last Monday, how much of that was substantive where anybody would walk away and truly know something about how each candidate felt about a particular issue as opposed to discussing personalities or having to sit through ad hominem attacks. Right. So as you're stuck with all of this, the, the two of you, and, and, and granted we are here in, in Hawaii and we're not having to write about it as if it were, you know, if we were part of a, a national media, but still 
having to shape this in some ways as people here seem to be more excited about this than anything else. How do you begin to do that with those who may be covering some of these things that, Patty, you just talked about? Well, we do a little bit with the national, with the presidential campaign. We'll, we do an editorial here and there, or we just had a column. Todd Simmons, our opinion editor, just wrote a column that we ran um, uh, the day after the debate. Um, and so, uh, but it, it's a struggle, you know, it's it's a little bit of a struggle to balance um, uh, some of the, the things that are being said because, you know, we want to sort of get at the truth. And, and so even writing about the debate, it's hard to um, not fact check um, the, the two different candidates. And I would say on a local level, what's been a little frustrating is there is a lot of high interest, obviously, in Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And when you try to take it to the local level, you get you can't really get a grasp of of how that translates to Hawaii because it's so heavily you know I mean most people here I mean Hillary Clinton's going to win the state and you even look at the supporters on both sides for some balance and that even that's tough to do that the Trump group that supports him here locally is is fairly small um, they're they're very personality driven and colorful uh, to say the least um, we're always looking for something. Uh, for some kind of local angle we can do on a national election. But I think, and we talked about it before, just the contrast from even local issues in the local election to the national is very is very interesting because I think people are going to go to the polls and they are going to participate on a national level in a way that they are not very interested in participating in the, in the local election. So that's going to be difficult too. Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, trying to localize it because for the uh, debate there was um, a Democratic debate watching party led by Colleen Hanabusa, and then there was a Republican one that had like five people at it, I think. And so we just um, decided to take a pass on both of them because it just seemed there was no real reason to to go. Um, and sort of, I mean, there was just no real issues to talk about with them. Did you guys cover it, Mark? We did the way we did it. We had the same thoughts that you did, yeah. which is why why go and do that? And you know what you're going to get. It's all going to be it's going to be the same, very partisan. But we went to uh, UH and we went to a class where the where there was a class watching class of about thirty. We turned to Colin Moore to see if he had something going. He didn't. But uh, so that was even tough to try to find a localize and see, find people who were watching and then get some diverse opinions from that. Yeah. Did, and did you have to send um, a reporter to each one? or Because for us, it's a matter of staffing. You know, we're pretty small. So why were it just seemed like not something to have someone work, you know, sort of extra to do that. So. Yeah, we just went. We just went. We went to the class and reported yeah. opinions from the class and kind of did it that way. Yeah. When you talk about localizing this story, maybe one of the things that that was a little bit more colorful that has been ongoing for a little while is the fact that it has so split the Republican Party here too, mm-hmm. to where you have Republican lawmakers Beth Fukumoto Chang being one of them saying, you know, he's not my candidate and I'm not going to vote for him and then backing off and then we were talking oh I think we did a reality check that you know will she or won't she stay in the party and then we've had stories like that before percolate but not necessarily in this way with so much vehemence mm-hmm. and so much upset over the candidate if you're just joining us tonight on town square we're taking a look at the presidential election you know by now this is not something you've probably seen before in your lifetime 
And although, yes, as Patty Alper says, we probably know exactly how the state will go, still the level of engagement with a presidential election is is pretty high in Hawaii. And we want to hear what you have to say about it as, as we're looking at how news editors help shape what we all see. 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. It always amazes me that we get calls from our listenership about what they hear on on national shows, and you know they want us to be able to do something about it. And certainly, we can refer them to the show or even send along their messages. But every single time there's something about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, we will get calls. Mm-hmm. And so, listening to how people feel about this and how it sort of you know really lives in a passionate way within them, you wish you could kind of activate that for local races mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, been, that's been the disappointment, I think, Beth Ann, in terms of what we're seeing on a local level, um, how we decide to cover the elections. We're talking about covering the primary and such a low voter turnout and trying to get people excited. And it's the chicken and egg. Do we, you know, or are people just not interested and so we don't cover it or do we get people interested by covering it more? And I don't think it really even translates that much. You know, on, on uh, the primary night, we, we really grappled with whether we would take the whole block of several hours as the, as we, as we usually do with the results coming in and here we go and then anal- analyzing and having political, um, you know, former elected officials coming in and talking about it. And we stripped all that down. We just basically covered. We were at the we were at the campaigns that we we needed to be um, uh, during the night, but we didn't do anything. We just went into programming beyond that because we just thought, "What are people interested?" I think there was a football game on that night and a couple of other things competing. So it's difficult. Very often, people clue into issues, obviously that affect them, and then that becomes the point of entry. But that also becomes sort of the the bubble that they will live in, too, where that becomes only what they're focusing on and not necessarily how that fits into a greater scheme. We see this a lot when we go through the legislative session and often have shows where we talk about what's being considered and, and what that means in a fuller context, not necessarily just that one issue itself. If you'd like to join us tonight for Town Square, the phone lines are open. We want to hear what you have to say. 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. We know that this presidential rate is different, to use a very understated word. You probably know that too. And how that resonates with you and how you're paying attention to it seems to be very different from how a lot of people are paying attention to local races. We want to know really how, how do you regard this national race, and and how is that affecting your ability to be involved with local politics? 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. We have two editors with us, Mark Platt and Patty Epler, and although they have lots of other titles at heart, they're both really good editors, and they shape a lot. That is true. (laughs) And you've got the Pulitzers to prove it. 941-3689 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Going to Ian calling us from Mililani. Aloha, Aloha, Ian. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, hi. How are you? Hi there. Pretty well, thanks. How about you? Good. I'm good. Hey, um, one of the uh, editors, I can't remember which one, mentioned they had a hard time coming up with uh, an, an angle, a local angle for the presidential um, 
race or the impacts of it. And I was thinking that uh, now I'm I'm a Democrat, have been most of my life, but I have a lot of friends who um, are more conservative. And if you live in Milan, you run into a lot more uh, Republicans or conservatives anyway. And what I've noticed is that not the candidates. I think that the Republican Party in Hawaii has some good people and some good candidates. And um, but you know, there's there's the supporters seem to be getting influenced a lot by the Trump phenomenon and by even for longer than that by sort of the alt right online sort of alternate news that that when I go to uh, candidate forums and I go to them for both parties I hear you know them pressuring our local Republican candidates to be sort of a little not uh, not really rational not the kind of uh, Hawaii Aloha spirit that I'm used to hearing but more like that uh, Trump alt-right kind of stuff and I'm worried about that what the impact with that would be at the state legislature and at you know local races I don't think you're the only one who's been worrying about that one. But thanks very much for the call. Sure. Patty, do you want to chime in on this or Mark? I, w- I would say uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot of that uh, as far as um, uh, current people, either pu- people running for the state legislature or who are in the state legislature who identify with that, you know, really with, with Trump in that way. I can't even think of, of any. Can you? Um, I do um, I- I can't actually. Um, I I know there are quite a few sort of Bernie crats out there mm-hmm. that are still in the running, but um, you know the Republicans didn't even really field a lot of candidates this year for for the legislative seats. So um, it's been it's been kind of a snooze really on that level. Sorry to say. Well, and it's not a lot different than what we've seen in in many many years, where the conversation that we've been trying to have for. 20, 30 years is could there really be a robust Republican Party in Hawaii? Certainly, some would say it's not for a lack of trying, but the state, you know, with the pendulum having swung so dramatically toward uh, Democrats, seems to be unlikely to just swing back in the other way. And even if it begins to approach to, people get a little bit nervous with all that. Even asking Republican candidates here who seem to be very different, we make lots of conversation about how different it is to be a Republican in Hawaii. But being very concerned that it's, you know, they they might be very much allied with the Republican platform, and what does that mean in certain ways? For a lot of people, that's very tough. Yeah, I kind of wonder if the um, Trump Clinton race will drive up voter turnout at all the, this year in Hawaii because we have, as Mark pointed out, super low voter turnout here, and um, I don't I don't know if people have just sort of washed their hands of it and um, and that's it or if it will have some kind of an effect on um, well, just getting people out. Let's ask you, are you going to turn out because of the presidential race and how you feel about that? And will that you know lead you to want to be more involved with local politics? We want to hear from you. Patty Epler is challenging you on that one. Nine four one three six eight nine or eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine. We're going to go to Lawrence now, calling us from Hawaii Island. Aloha, Lawrence. Welcome Aloha. to Town Square. Hi there. I just want to say that um, I am going to turn out and vote specifically as an anti-Trump, but that's. Uh, in addition to the local issues I care about, Civil Beat and the other local media, I think, do a really good on the uh, conservation and land issues that I follow in the ledge and with the state. The reason, 
I'm happy with the current coverage situation is that the passions that people have nationally, we can walk away from that, turn our back after the election, like it didn't happen here in Hawaii. I don't know if we can be that passionate about our local issues. People could hate. Well, you just made the case for being very passionate about the issues that you say that you follow. Again, having those issues that mean something to somebody that really leave them into the political arena, but very often it kind of stays within that sphere. Lawrence, thank you so much for the call. We're going to go now to Christopher, also calling us from the Big Island. Aloha, Christopher. Welcome to Town Square. Hi. Hi there. Um, I'd like to address how the media influenced this uh, primary election by creating a narrative that Bernie can't win. Across the board, every network for, the, for over a year, the, the tagline from every pundit was, Bernie can't win. On NPR, I heard Mara Eliasson do a piece of when there were so many Republicans in the primary. And she said, the only viable candidate for the Democratic Party is Hillary Clinton. And totally, you know, totally didn't even mention Bernie at all, his name at all. And this has, you know, hugely affected this election. Well, we saw, you know, plenty of, of com- or heard plenty of conversation about that. Certainly we got plenty of it here locally, too. Maybe you were one of them. But, uh, you know, at, at this point, that's part of one of the things that we're looking at. But it wasn't just, you know, the media. It was also, you know, the Democratic Party itself. That's true, too. Yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know that I um, heard that that much. I mean, I think there were polls that showed that um, Bernie actually might be the better candidate against Donald Trump. Um, And I know that was the storyline from the national media for a while. Uh, And um, so I don't know, I I think I heard sort of the whole choice there. Even while they were, you know, they came out and mentioned that, they mentioned those polls, but all the time when you had an analysis, even on... um, on uh, PBS News um, Hour, they would have the discussion about can, can Bernie win, and they're like, no, they're just like flat out, no, he can't win, and you know that kind of thing causes apathy in the general public. They are just kind of you know give up, and then they don't go to the polls. Well. It, yes, yes, and no. I mean, certainly, you know, Bernie Sanders was able to light a fire under a great many people, and frankly, help shape this whole election or this campaign in ways that would have been not happening had he not been in in the race. That's true, but had the media given the same kind of oomph that they gave to Hillary, and they had really gotten behind and said, you know. This Bernie Sanders, he has a real chance of winning this election. And they were like, they created that narrative instead. I think he would be the candidate. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. You know, Christopher's point is, look, we helped to shape this narrative by having people on the airwaves saying things like Bernie can't win or whatever the, the message may be. And that if people hear that enough, that it begins to sink in, resonate. And whether it may be true or not, it's looked at as being truth. Yeah, I think, um, well, first of all, I think Bernie Sanders was a, a political phenomenon that we haven't seen in, in, in a long time. And on, on the one side, you look at all the the voters who were mobilized by by Bernie Sanders. And I think, I think no matter 
I think the passion of the people who were following Bernie Sanders, it wouldn't have mattered what they have, would have heard in the media whether Bernie can't win. That's not – that wasn't going to turn anybody, any of his supporters or anybody from the people who liked him from supporting him. In fact, but, it might have, have helped them go the other way by saying, so you think he can't win and turning out even more of them. Right, and I think even up to the convention, I mean, that, that whole narrative where his supporters just wouldn't let go and, you know, they stuck with him right until the – you know, the whole Tulsi Gabbard thing from a local level and his, you know, her support of of him, I think, was covered at least locally, you know, quite even on a national level, quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, there will be people that say certain people can win, certain people can't win. I'm sure at the beginning of when Donald Trump was starting out, I do remember people saying there's no way this guy is going to well, ever get there. He was like being as a joke. <laughs> right. And he look where he is. So, um it's just been this is just like we said from the outset it's just been a, a you know crazy political year and and you see people coming out who wouldn't have probably voted at all who were kind of mobilized by a Bernie Sanders or on the other side by a Donald Trump yeah and i think i'd like to just again push back a little bit on that it, i don't think it was the media that created that narrative i think for the most part, the national media was simply reporting what was going on, whether it was the polls or, as Mark said, leading up to the convention. Um, Bernie Sanders and his supporters, you know, really hung in there. And it was kind of touch and go there for a while. And I think um, maybe that's what um, people are feeling about if they think it's the media that created that. I, I just don't I, I don't see that. I think the media was just reporting pretty much what was um, happening. All right, we got lots of callers on the line. Obviously, we struck a nerve. If you want to join us, 941-3689. If you're on Oahu or 877-941-3689. If you call us from the neighbor islands or anywhere else, you may be listening to the live stream. Going now to Robin from Nuuanu. Aloha, Robin. Welcome to Town Hi. Square. Hi there. Uh, I was just calling because you were talking about whether or not we're coming out, you know, simply to vote for the presidential election. Yes, and, are um, you? For me, I, I definitely, that was the case. Well, I mean, a lot of people are, are probably delighted to hear that because if you're going to be in the booth, you're probably going to be voting for a lot of other things, too. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I actually didn't get involved until after the um, the caucuses for the presidential. And once the um, nominees were announced, I just had to vote because I not have uh, Donald Trump be president and me not do anything about it. Can, can, I ask right, Ro- can, can I ask Robin, are you, so you're motivated to go to the polls because of the national, it's really because of Trump. Would you yeah. be as excited to be look at some of the, the local uh, issues? Uh, I mean, yeah, if those so two... because I was, um, this is my first time registering to vote, mm-hmm. and so because of that, I really kind of researched all of the... Um, other elections locally and, you know, asked around because um, prior to voting, I wasn't uh, Democrat or Republican. I was really open to any candidate that I thought would be good for the position. Um, but once I really started investigating it, I did become strongly Democratic now. Question for you. You just mentioned that this is the first time that you're voting. Yes. How about your friends? Are they also voting? I mean, we hear a lot about young people who don't vote unless they're greatly motivated to, as we saw at least in the, in the first uh, Obama campaign. 
But as you talk to your friends who are here about the local issues, is it the presidential race that's driving them to vote if they're going to vote? And are they voting at all? No, I don't think so. I think most of my friends, I'm, I'm 30, by the way. So uh, most of my friends are already registered voters and they've been voting for years. And I'm kind of the one who is staying behind okay. the curve. And I just, um, you know, I before this election, I really felt that every candidate had... Um, you know, the United States and Hawaii and its best interest. And I just don't feel that way about Donald Trump. So I really felt like I needed to get involved because because of that. So all this time that you could have been voting from the time that you're 18, it took something like this to get you to want to go and vote. That's a good point. Thank you for, for calling and, and uh, sharing that with us. Thanks, Robin. Robin calling us from Nuuanu. If you'd like to be next with us, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. We've got Mark Platt here from Hawaii News Now, Patty Epler from Civil Beat, and you. And we're taking a look at how the news is shaped. Everybody's very wrapped up in this presidential campaign. But how we see what we see often is because of the way an editor has a hand in that. And we're talking to uh, to you tonight, too, to see how it is that you are assessing what's coming across your screen, whatever screen it might be, your newspaper, if you're reading the newspaper, and how that is or isn't helping you to make the decision to get out and vote. 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Going to Mark calling us from Kahala. Aloha, Mark. Aloha. Hey, thanks for taking my call. A very Pleasure. interesting show. So when I first called, I was on the phone uh, in the car, so I probably shouldn't have been doing that. But now I've stopped and I'm home, so that's good. So I'm not. Yeah, uh, it makes me feel no much better. Thank dangerous. you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm admitting it. So I have two questions. First, uh, and I think the first part might be answered very much by your last caller, by what Robin just said. It has to do with what I see is what a primary motivation appears to be on the mainland. And, and I'm from the mainland. I lived here for about ten years total. I went to UH, but as an alum, but, um, you know, I, part of my adult career has been spent in other parts of the world, but, but, but I do have ties to Hawaii. So on the mainland, we see an awful lot of people uh, being so inclined not to vote for a candidate, but to a vote against the other. And, and that is a massive, massive proportion. I don't know exactly how it ranks against in, in past elections, but I'll just go out there on a limb and say it's clearly number one. We've never had an election cycle where so many people were voting for one not voting for a candidate, but voting against the other. So my question, and I think Robin might have answered this, is how does that relate to local, localized politics here in Hawaii, where electorally we all know that it, you know, the state's going to vote Democratic? But, and perhaps because of Robin's comments here, maybe I, have, I see a potential for an answer, is people here are getting involved because of the general national media frenzy, if that's the right word. But, but I wasn't sure. And, and so that was one, one question that I wanted you to comment a bit more on, uh, because I can very easily imagine that here in Hawaii, people will vote much more for who, who, who they support rather than against. I just, that was just my gut reaction, but, but Robin's answer goes against that grain. The second comment I wanted to make, I am a registered Republican, and I categorize myself as an extremely uh, liberal Republican or an extremely conservative Democrat. So I'm absolutely right in the middle. And I voted Democrat in past elections, but you have to register one way or another. So I'm a registered Republican. And the observation I wanted to make was 
regardless of whatever happens on this election, regardless, I am so, so thankful for this somewhat alleged nut job that we call Donald Trump for joining the election and shaking things up. Yeah, a, a, a lot of elections yeah. the way they used to be because of him and because of this election. Future elections are, I think, going to be more more focused towards the betterment of everybody as compared to status quo. I mean, so thanks they're, they're, for, for hearing thanks, me. Thanks, thanks very much. Glad that you called, Mark. I mean, you're making the point that we've heard a couple of times is that maybe if this election, you know, shows us that clearly, I think even going into the debate, one of the commentators made the point that, you know, we've got two candidates that not a whole lot of people, you know, overwhelmingly just love, Mm -hmm. and that this may be a case of least worst as opposed to really feeling, you know, impassioned by someone and what they stand for and what they're going to do. Now, that probably is going to be not great news for people who, you know, love Hillary or those who even love Donald Trump, but in the vast majority of people looking at this thinking, as we just heard from Mark, who says he's very much in the middle, that that may be the driver. I would say that people here uh, are probably going to go out and they're going to vote. And I think, we'll have, I think we'll have a fairly good turnout because I think, number one, I think people here are going to vote for Hillary Clinton. I think that's obvious. I think a lot of people want to vote for, um, you know, a female president. So I think that's going to be a driver. I don't know necessarily that people are going to come out here to vote against Trump because I think that I think Hillary is pretty well liked in this state. But the other point I think is a little more interesting, which is how Donald Trump has has shaped politics and how you've run political campaigns and the whole nature of the Republican Party, which isn't much here in this state. Um, but nobody has nobody has climbed onto the mantle of Donald Trump as far as like we said before, as far as the Republican Party is concerned. But could anybody take a look at what he's doing, no matter what you think about him, and say he has run this election or Bernie has run this election in a completely different and fresh way that is going to energize people to maybe run campaigns the way he did, or at least tap into the issues that either one of them them has brought about that may bring that may be that may change here i don't know boy <laughs> so i Take agree <laughs> yeah i mean i agree that uh bernie did bring a freshness to it but i worry that people will sort of think that they can get away with what donald trump is getting away with now and and, um, you know, not try to be civil. They just will realize they can say anything they want to say and the media is going to pick up on it and, and it's going to turn into this kind of political food fight. And um, I just, I don't know. I think I think it's uh, one of the callers said that, uh, you know, it's Trump is great for possibly generating energizing voter turnout. But I also think it's really um, a scary phenomenon that people um, think, well, he's just saying what we all feel and he's, you know, he's just telling it like it is. And it's like, okay, maybe, but it's not really a good way <laughs> to mm-hmm. to have civil discourse on important issues. It's, it's really, um, really falling into the gutter, I think, that, that I don't think anyone really thought would ever happen. We've heard... Trump himself say, well, I could probably say anything. And I mean, I could I could murder somebody. I mean, we've heard those kinds of comments. And ordinarily, those would have had people just reacting, just 
in such a way that we'd probably never seen before. But this seems to be desensitized. We become desensitized to it in, in, in a lot of ways. And the idea of say anything, as long as it gets you attention, seems to have taken over. But it's not just in politics. I mean, this says more about who we are and what it is that we are willing to put up with. I had someone say to me the other day, you know, what if we just stopped talking about Donald Trump? What if everybody just decided we don't like this? I mean, those who don't and just stopped. What if you stopped giving attention? What would that mean? What would that look like? And given the fact that you've got so so different view or such different views of America and, and very dystopian that you see from Donald Trump and a lot you know, brighter picture coming from Hillary Clinton, you also wonder who are, are we as America? We, I mean, there's not that sense of one America anymore. Perhaps mm-hmm. maybe there really wasn't one and we just kind of thought there was. And we talk about it as if it can be easily put in and everybody standing under the, you know, the same tent together. And very clearly this has shown that we're not. Yeah, I, I think um, if you look at past elections and then you look at this election, you know how you're, some people are just hesitant to talk about politics. I've been more hesitant than ever to go into a situation where I don't know people and bring up anything about these two candidates because I don't know what I'm I, – I feel like I just – sometimes I just want to stay away from it because people are so passionate on both sides. The people who support Donald Trump, like you say, they feel like take the personality of the man aside and the way he does it and his, his, you know, his bedside manner and all that. They believe his stance is on immigration or trade or, you know, all the other things that he talks about. And they just say, yeah, I believe in that. I don't really care how he says it, but we need somebody like that. It's a, it's the, anti-po- the anti-politician stance. And so they might just say, you know, Hillary is the, is, is the politician, the longstanding politician. And I'm just going to, whether it be Bernie or whether it be Donald Trump, I just don't want a, another politician in there. We got to break the the mold. Well, we got lots of people who do want to talk about <laughs> this. Lots of callers now. If you want to join us, call us sooner rather than later. I hate having never having to put everybody through who wants to get on. So call us now nine four one three six eight nine or eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine. Going to Marcos calling us from Maui. Aloha and thank you for your patience. Hi guys. Hi there. Hey. So I belong to the thirty you know thirty year old gap of voters, and I have never, ever voted in, in no election, being in the, in, you know, be, uh, being that I'm here in Hawaii and also in, in the state of Texas. The, the problem with voting is that it's not a popular vote, that it's, that it's all based on electoral votes. And, you know, if you don't, if you're not in a, in a swing state, then, you know, majority of all these get through game theory. They, they they are predicted to go either Republican or Democrat. So that's where a lot of the either being skeptical or pessimistic falls so, under. So are you are you saying, Marcos, that it it's sort of in this area where you you don't feel you can make a lot of difference because yeah, we're not I in think the a swing state? So make the difference in the state of Hawaii being that we have four electoral votes, and the majority of the time Hawaii will go Democratic, which is which is. I want Hillary to become president because, uh, you know, the other choice is, is total chaos. And but un- but if you want lunatic. that, if you if you want that, I mean, are you going to actually vote this time? No, because Hawaii is predicted to go to go to Hillary, so there is no reason for, for for me to turn up to the polls because it's not based on on popular vote. Okay, all right, gotcha. Thank you very much for the call. You know, Thank you. he is 
Yeah. Coming across the perspective that we hear a lot, what's my vote going to do? It's not going to matter anyway because this is likely where the state's going to go. And maybe, you know, causing someone to feel that, well, you know, if that's how I feel about that and I'm not going to get myself inside the booth, well, that automatically precludes them from voting on anything local. Yeah, But but you don't have to go to the booth. You can get your ballot. You can fill it out at your kitchen table and you can drop it in the mail. It's super easy. People should vote in this state. All right, we're going to move on now and go to Boyd calling us from the Big Island. Aloha, Boyd. Thank you for your patience. Aloha. Uh, You might have already covered what I called for, but I did want to give a perspective from somebody out in the country that um, doesn't get a TV signal and is limited to Internet access, and so the whole inundation of media just isn't really on my radar screen unless I want it to be. And when I look at the election this cycle, the reaction, really what moved it was Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump for the same reason, but from different groups of people. And that reason was that they are just fed up with the direction the country is going, with all the bickering between the parties, where being a Republican is more important than being an American, where, you know, getting elected and winning is more important than serving, which is what they're really there for. And so then the Democrats have to do the same thing. Oh, they have winning strategies, so then we have to win. And even the politicians themselves talk about how you know, as soon as you're elected, you've got to start fundraising for the next election, and, and it detracts from the job at hand. So Bernie was an insider. He'd been in there a long time, but he'd always been the radical element in the, in the government, and he was taking us in a new direction away from status quo. And then Trump, actually, even though his people, for the most part, don't uh, look at the issues, they haven't done their homework, you know, you give them a bunch of facts, and they say, I don't care, I'm voting for Donald anyway. That's kind of scary. But either way... They're both going for the same thing. They want to, they're not happy with what's mm-hmm. going on. Hillary, as much as she is qualified, Secretary of State, you know, Congressman from New York, all of those things, um, she still represents <laughs> what it is Bernie and Donald are trying to move people away from. And Bernie got screwed by the Democratic Party. And I, I disagree with your uh, speaker who is pushing back on the media. It's not just the media coverage. She was saying that they were covering it as it played out. And it's like, no, let, go back and listen to the terminology that they use, the phraseology that they use, the kind of thing the other caller was saying about he doesn't have a chance. You know, when you're starting your story with, yeah, Bernie's still losing, then the way the media covers it does create a, a You're talking about image, making yeah. a self-fulfilling prophecy. But I got I to gotta ask you, Boyd, are you going to vote? I am, and I want to encourage the guy from Maui to go ahead and vote, too. Even though the Electoral College is going to determine the president question, we still have a lot of local issues and a lot of local people. And you have to elect your congressman, your representative, and your senator that are going to go and be a part of that. So if you walk away from the polls, you give up your voice. You know, And that really is the voice. Those representatives that we send are our voice, way more than the president is. All right, Boyd, you, you put out a really good pitch out there. Mm-hmm. And I hope a bunch of people take you up on that. Thank you so much for your call. Aloha. Aloha. I'm going to go now to Gary calling us from Kaneohe. Aloha, Gary. Welcome to Town Square. Hi. Uh, I hope I can uh, have a good signal. Anyhow, um, I just want to comment, uh, I guess add to the comments, and uh, have sort of an observation and prediction. Um, I've always been kind of nonpartisan, but, you know, inclined towards the Democratic Party, and in this case, I'm definitely voting because, you know, I don't think Trump is qualified. It was, I mean, he lost me on the first one when he insulted John McCain, uh, even though I'm 
um, not a great McCain fan. I still respect what he did and served for you know our country in terms of his POW status. And I think I can't believe he got past that. Trump did. Gary, we're but, really yeah. not. Ha- we're, we re- your signal is kind of moving in and out. We're hearing a lot of, of feedback coming in there too. I know oh, you wanted sorry. to make a point, so go ahead and make it now because we're going to have to move on. Okay. Well, you know, Trump thinks he's really clever um, because he's been tweeting a lot during this campaign. Um, he's doing something that he thought, because Obama was really great at using technology to to win his presidency, uh, he thinks using Twitter is like his great idea. But I predict that just like Twitter and the company itself has sort of reached its plateau and is no longer expanding, it's going to be bought by someone else. Basically, I think Twitter just represents what Trump thinks. He's great. He's so smart. It's basically okay. going to take him only so far, and okay. he will pretty much burn out at some point. Okay, Gary, thanks uh, so Thanks very much. Thanks Twitter. Thanks for your call. We, I think we got your point. Thanks a lot. Well, I mean, the idea about using social and, and seeing how that has been playing into this election in a very different way, not necessarily to bring people together in ways that we've seen in past, but just this mm-hmm. just becoming another conduit, another will sort of, you know, avatar for for Donald Trump, but it would be very interesting to find out what would happen if, in fact, Twitter does get purchased by Disney. That'll be a whole other issue. We'll <laughs> not go there tonight. But as you're hearing, you know, some of these comments and looking at, at this, we've heard now a couple people, you know, wanting to point fingers at the media, and, and we've heard this, you know, before. Do you feel any particularly different responsibility this time around with how we talk about both local and national news? national politics responsibility i you know i people call all the time uh and talk about you know media bias um they feel like we're you know not being fair to trump not being fair to 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 clinton or or other candidates and i think we try to play it down the middle uh and you know i know people have very strong feelings about these these two candidates they are the they are the nominees for the parties and they are they get a lot of free airtime. You know, Donald Trump is on, you know, you turn on any national network in a news program and he may be the first three stories of something he said. And I think they've done studies that said that he is, you know, he, he's probably four to one or something, five to one sometimes when he right before the, he became the nominee. So you got you've got to balance that, but he has been he's kind of been the story. He's been the news just because of what he's done, what he says. There seems to be and there's a lot of you know, media organizations are really going, you know, after both of them in terms of looking at all their past history, probably more so Donald Trump, because even though we know him, there's a lot of business dealings, there's income tax, there's charity work and all that. Uh for Hillary Clinton it's been, you know, we we kind of know a lot of this already uh the benghazi stuff the white water all the stuff that gets would get dragged up, dragged up i just think we have to try to keep it as down the middle as we can uh, on a national level as far as local local politics that's a that's a different story i mean you you have to um you know my challenge with local elections is just getting getting to all the issues honestly i mean i think that's been the toughest thing for us i could talk more about that 
Yeah, I think um, one of the things that uh, on local elections that we tried to do this year was um, give a little bit more space to some of the um, lesser known candidates, particularly in the mayor's race. Um, you know, there were some viable people. They just are not career politicians, right? And so, um, and they were complaining as they as some of these candidates do that they don't get to share the stage with. Um, say the three uh, mayoral candidates who are who are better known. So we did a little bit more with some of these guys and and did some interviews and some podcasts with them, and um, that seemed to really go over well with the public. And so um, I think maybe um, you know, while on the one hand you have uh, Trump and Clinton kind of sucking the air out of the room uh, on the national scale, it sort of um, gave us a little more room to maneuver locally. I think. All right, we're going to go back to the phone lines. Joe calling us from Kahului here with Patty Epler, Mark Platt, and me. How's it going, guys? Um, it's actually Kahului, not Kahului. Um, real quick, I just want to make a point about Trump and the media. And everyone, he's kind of a guy that just marketed himself. You know, he's made his career out for marketing himself. And I heard on Tom Hartman today on the 1080 AM radio, they are kind of comparing him to Hitler back in the day uh, he just had those scare tactics, and I think that's what Trump's done with the Republican Party as far as getting all the Tea Party movement people from the 2008 election before and kind of uniting them with the heavy right-wing extremists, rest of the Republicans, and his own little inside party within there. And, uh, okay, so Joe, Joe, I want to ask you a question. I mean, clearly we, we hear what you have to say about about Donald Trump, but given all of this, are you going to get yourself uh, into a booth? Or are you going to make sure that you vote this time around? Oh, yeah. No, I, I've always voted. I'm 22, but I've voted since I turned 18, and I've been a poli-sci major. I graduated with that. I'm very involved in politics. Um, with that being said, I just kind of want to make a point with that, since you guys are talking about the media. But I also just wanted to say how I'm actually kind of excited about the election this year, because I view this as kind of a turning point in American politics with the, for the Electoral College and popular vote and how we elect presidents now. It's kind of, I'm looking back at like the 1854 election with Lincoln. I don't know if you guys know a lot about that, where the Whig Party kind of demolished because of slavery issue and other issues, and they formed the Republican Party at the time. And I kind of see that happening with the Republican Party right now, where you get the, you get the liberal kind of, America's going in a liberal direction right now, and you get the liberal, liberal Republicans who are separating from the conservatives and the Tea Party and the other radicals. And I see after Trump, whether he wins or loses the election, He's going to kind of start his own party with the rest of them, and the Tea Party movement is going to get what it wanted back in the day and have a little separate party. So you really see this as being a game changer, and, and certainly with what we've been seeing happen in the, the Republican Party and, and watching it sort of, you know, clear. Yeah, I, I see us moving away from the whole third party, I mean, sorry, not third party, two-party election system that we have now, which I see it as it gives a better chance in the future as for as far as Sanders not winning the Democratic Party nominee. You can go and... And as a third party, and actually have a better chance of fighting and winning the presidency. All right, Joe. Thanks very much. One. Thanks very much for the call. We got a couple more callers. I want to get in. If you want to join us, nine four one three six eight nine or eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine. Tim calling us from Honolulu. Aloha, Tim. Welcome to Town Square. Aloha. Hey guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Hey, I just want to throw in my two cents. Um, as a as a millennial, I'm 29 years old, and I was really energized by the Bernie campaign here. And I spent a lot of time volunteering and making phone calls and encouraging people and getting volunteers. 
Um, now that that's over, you know, I have to say, like, I see a lot of people in my cohort kind of being bummed out that Bernie didn't won, seeing as how we kind of supported him by overwhelming historic margin. Uh, but a lot of the, a lot of my fellow volunteers, you know, we, um, I, I, I found that we feel more energized than ever because I feel like we've discovered that there's a really strong progressive movement in this country that realizes that the chance of actually having electoral success. All right, Tim, um, I, I want to just stop you there for a second because, you know, very clearly you're talking about national politics, what Bernie did to be able to energize you and your cohort here in Hawaii and elsewhere. But what about local issues? What about the things that are happening here that you may care a lot about? Is that going to energize you in that direction, too? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why I just want to say that. I mean, there's just so many more battles out there. Uh, you know, people can just, if they're feeling bummed out by the national election, you know, personally, I'm, I'm still encouraging people to vote for Clinton. That's, she's leagues above Trump, in my opinion. But there's so many small issues, you know. We made phone calls for uh, Papa Hanamo Kuakea, explaining that Marine Monument. Um, that was one issue that, you know, we fought for and we won. Um, and, you know, just, there's just so many, there's so many battles out there to choose from. All right. Well, hope you pick some good ones and, and stay energized. We need to have your cohort energized. Thanks a lot, Tim, for the call. All right. Thank you. Our number is 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Around my table tonight, uh, Patty Epler is here. She's the editor and general manager of Civil Beat. And the news director of Hawaii News Now, Mark Platt, is joining us. And you, we're taking a look at how the news is shaped as we look at the national presidential election and as we look at local elections and, and what may be of you know, some sort of nexus of, of those two in terms of the energy that one is generating for the other. 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Going to Tim, calling us from, I think this is Kailua, is this right? That's correct. Oh, good. Glad. Glad we got it right. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, I wanted to, the first comment is just to say that somehow I think Trump has sold every, a lot of people on the idea that government is something that's easy to do, and uh, all you have to do in there and, and be blustery enough to force everybody to do what you want them to do, and, and I think that's a, a disservice to the voters and the people of the country, because certainly government is probably one of the hardest things uh, to get everybody going in the same direction, and you wouldn't go into a doctor's office and say, you know, I prefer somebody who's been doing this only for three weeks rather than you to do this procedure, so I think people need to take another look at the uh, difficulty of government. Okay, and, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there because you've made a, a really good point, and I want to get our panelists on this too. When we watched the debate on Monday night, the fact-checking that was going on, the idea is that it wasn't easy. Some of these glib things that were just tripping off of Donald Trump's mouth weren't necessarily true. Some of the things that, that you know Hillary Clinton said too, not necessarily 100% true either or even true at all, but looking at how there is more being asked of people to fact check, particularly in the media, to make sure that we put that out and that it's that it's correct. Has that put you into a different position with you and your staff with local issues or given you a greater sensitivity to that, if not just the responsibility of being able to report on this stuff, but also this sense that the you know the fact checking sensitivity is so high right now? Well, we certainly fact check uh everything before we we publish it. I mean, you know, there are statements that are made, obviously, even by the local candidates that are just opinion. But um, 
uh, we we definitely try to fact check everything, and we have a little bit more luxury in that we're um, we're more of an enterprise um, operation and not necessarily a breaking news operation. So it's hard to do it on deadline, though. Those the folks that did it during the debate were, um, you know, they had whole teams of people uh, ready to do that. But. And a lot of nonprofits who are engaged with that, and, yeah. and universities, and and uh, and partnership organizations. Yeah, I thought this was the first time I've ever seen the the sheer volume of fact checkers, you know, in a debate. Like everybody was doing it, and everybody was reporting it, and um, and people were, you know, viewers were pushing back on the fact checker. Well, what do you mean, you know? And I think in this elect, this is one of those weird elections where they don't even want things fact check and fact checked, and it may not even matter to them. Because, you know, in the Trump case, uh, you know, they, they don't care whether it's – I mean, they, they, he says it, it's okay. And even if it's not, so what? He's the, – the greater good here is, you know, getting this guy elected. So – but I'm glad it, it's going on. I think it's an important service um, and we all do it. All right. We're going to go and take another call. Eric calling us from Honolulu. Eric, we're running a little short of time, so I'm going to ask you to be brief. Eric, are you there? I don't think so. It looks like we've got him, but we don't. Okay. Sorry, Eric. We're coming up to the, the top of the hour. And and obviously, we've just begun to you know scratch some of this of what you have to do on a daily basis. But there is a sense that we've heard from a lot of our callers that because of the energy of this campaign, campaigns in future are going to change, that this really is the game changer. And maybe it's not a nice one. Maybe we don't like some of the stuff that's going on or the way it's being said, but that it, in fact, may be looked at later down the road as being something that was a very good thing to help America look at itself a little differently and to be able to help media look at itself uh, in, in ways that maybe have gotten, you know, we've gotten away from certain things in general, maybe mm-hmm. not with your organization or your organization's Patty, but as you see this now, it, and, and this is sort of like conference high where people come out of it and they're all, you know, hep to do lots of good things, and then it kind of falls away. But this seems to have some overtones. Do you see this having really long-lasting effect on the way that we do politics in America from this point forward? I, I do. I, I think the Democratic Party it, it will never be the same, and I don't think the Republican Party will ever be the same after this election. And I don't know what that's going to look like necessarily, but what you saw when you saw what you you did with Bernie Sanders and you saw what what happened with with Donald Trump, it's just been it's just been amazing. Patty, I'll let you have the last word. Um, I think that what will happen here, at least for us locally, is I think the as particularly the Bernie Sanders campaign really energized a lot of young people. And I think um, our goal, at least going forward, is to try and encourage more young people to get involved in issues and come out and vote and that kind of thing. So that might be the, a legacy of this uh, election. Well, we heard from a couple of them tonight. Let's hope they spawn others. Patty Epler. And Mark Platt, thank you so much for the last hour and for the time. And for all of you who joined us tonight on Town Square, I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'll see you tomorrow morning for the conversation. Have yourselves a good evening.